good. So that what we're going to learn about today is the Mekoshesh. What the Mekoshesh Eitzim did is not clear. So we'll just make believe we understand it. The Pesukim say, you see at the top of the sheet, Vayu B'nei Yisrael Bamidbar, B'nei Yisrael were in the desert, right? In the desert means that they were on the way to, but not having really come to Eretz Yisrael. This is the parasha, this is the parasha of Shlach. The parasha of Shlach is the parasha of the Meraglim, right? The Meraglim, the spies. The spies, the result of sending the spies to Eretz Yisrael was that all the people were punished. And the punishment was that it would take them another 38 years to get out of the desert and to go to Eretz Yisrael. And during those 38 years, they would all, they would all die. The people who are, who are around at the time of the Meraglim would die. So that's what Bamidbar means. So the Pasuk is not clear about what Mikoshesh Eitzim is, what he did. What did he do that is forbidden to do on Shabbat? Why did he do it? What was the point? What does Mikoshesh Eitzim mean? None of this is explained in the Pasuk. None, none of this. But the only thing that the Pasuk says that is relevant is that it was beyond Shabbat. It had something to do with Shabbat. There was some problem that he created that had something to do with Shabbat. But when it comes to Shabbat, you have to remember, it's very important to remember that when were B'nai Yisrael introduced to Shabbat? When were B'nai Yisrael introduced to Shabbat? What? You said that? You said that? B'mara. What is Mara? Mara is the name of a place. When did they get to Mara? When did B'nai Yisrael get to Mara? After Yitziat Mitzrayim, but before Matan Torah, in the parasha of B'Shalach. B'Shalach is the parasha of Shirat Hayam. Right, as Yeshua Moshe, B'nai Yisrael, etc., the parasha of Shirat Hayam, that's in B'Shalach. At the end of B'Shalach, at the end of the parasha of B'Shalach, B'nai Yisrael found out about the man, about the man. And what was the what was the man about? What was one of the things about the man that you get twice as much on Friday and you wouldn't get anything on Shabbat? Right? That was the man. So the introduction of B'nai Yisrael to Shabbat after Yitziat Mitzrayim was in the parasha of Bishalach under the heading of man. Right? They learned about the man. The man twice as much on twice as much on Friday and you don't get any at all on Shabbat. So that's what Biyom HaShabbat implies. Biyom HaShabbat is a time when there's certain things that you're not supposed to do. For example, you're not <coughs> supposed to make food. You're supposed to eat food that you've already made on Friday. Just like the man. You eat the man on Shabbat, but you collect the man on Friday. We still don't know what Mekoshe Sheitzim is. We still don't know. They brought him close. They brought him close to whom? To Mikoshe Sheitzim, to Moshe, to Aaron, and to Kol Ha'edah. Why did they bring him? They brought him to be judged. What should we do with him? And they put him away in jail, place Shamur. Some place where they are, 
they uh, put away. Kilopo Rashma Yeaselo. They didn't know. It was Moshe didn't know, and Aaron didn't know, the Kolaida didn't know. Nobody knew what to do with this guy. This guy who was, I guess, Mechalel Shabbat, even though I don't even know that so well. He did something. He's called Mikoshesh Itzim. There's something wrong with what he did. But what it was he did, I don't really know. However, we do know that the people at that time also didn't know what to do. Pasuk Lamedchet, Vayom Hashem Moshe, Mot So Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, Mot Yumatayit, Mot means he should be killed. It's called in, uh, in Hebrew, it's called Lashon Nofel Alashon. It's like when you use two words instead of one. Like, so people say it's for emphasis. I don't know how you could emphasize death. I mean, what's the difference between being dead and being verily dead? Is there a difference? I mean, maybe from the point of view of the person who inflicts the death, but certainly not from the person's point of view of the person who's dead. He's equally dead in both cases. When it says in the Pasuk, You should stone him. Outside of the camp. Right, not in the camp, not in the middle, but outside. Okay, that's what it says. That's what it says. Pasuk And they did it. They took him out of the machane, out of the camp of Am Yisrael. They stoned him with stones. And he died. So that's the story that's told in our parasha. There was a person who was we don't know what that is. And there was a person, we don't know who he was. And it was not clear what they should do with him. They found him. It was not clear what they should do with him. Finally, Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, stone him to death. And they did so. They stoned him to death. And that was the end of the, uh, that was the, end of the story. They did as God commanded Moshe to do. That's what, that's the whole story of the Bekoshei Shetzim, as it is reported in the Torah. Now there's Rashi. Let's look at Rashi. You see Rashi, Pasuk Lamed Bet. So Rashi changes the whole story. I mean, you have to understand that. What does Bignutan Shal Yisrael mean? Right? As an embarrassment to Yisrael. Who's Yisrael? The entire people of Israel. In other words, Rashi says, we're not talking about a single person. We're talking about the nation of Israel. Well, how does Rashi get that? What do you mean we're talking about the nation of Israel? It says in the Pasuk, there was one person who did it. And that one person who did it was punished. So what does it mean when we say, the Pasuk, Katub is the Pasuk. The Pasuk talks about Gnutan Shal Yisrael. She, and now Rashi's going to explain. Shelo Shamru El Shabbat Rishona Ubashniya Bazevichilela. Bazevichilela. That all the people of Israel kept one Shabbat after Yitzhak Mitzrayim. 
The second Shabbat, so if in fact, why is that that sounds like one person. One person did it. So why is this an embarrassment for all of the people of Israel? Not clear. Rashi is not clear. Rashi just sets us on a different trajectory. Rashi says, oh, we're not talking about a person. We're talking about the nation of Israel. Why are we talking about the nation of Israel? Where does the nation of Israel come into this? Uh, okay. Pasuk Lamed Gimel. They found him doing this, whatever they did. So you actually point out that the halacha is that you can't punish a person. On, I mean, even if the punishment is clearly stated in the Torah, unless there's hatra'ah, unless there's a warning, the two witnesses who watch the guy do whatever he's doing, or the suspect that he's going to do it, they say, don't do it, because if you do it, you're going to be punished in such and such a way. But you're going to be punished. That's called hatra'ah, right, a warning. You have to warn him. That's part of the halacha. You can't, do, uh, you can't uh, carry out a punishment unless there's a prior warning. So, uh, so uh, Rashi adds, Rashi adds, you see, he says, she hit Rubo. They warned him. He didn't stop doing it. Even they found him doing it and they warned him that if he does it, he's going to be killed. So even though, even though somehow the Pasuk says they didn't know exactly what the punishment was, they were nevertheless able to warn him that he would get the death penalty. And that's what Rashi says. The next Rashi. They didn't know how he was going to be killed. But they knew. They knew that he was going to get the death penalty. They just didn't know how the death penalty would be applied. That's Rashi. That's how Rashi gets out of the problem. Remember, what's the problem? that you're not punished unless you're warned. So Rashi says, so they were warned. So the question, but they didn't know. They didn't know what the punishment was. How could they warn him about the punishment? So the answer is that they knew he was going to die. They just didn't know which of the different ways that the halakha uh, uh, allows you to kill the perpetrator, which of those uh, different death penalties he would get. So God uh, spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu and told Moshe Rabbeinu and told Moshe Rabbeinu skila, right? That, he was, that his punishment would be stoning. But uh, Moshe Rabbeinu knew that he would get the death penalty but didn't know which death, death penalty so Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu stoning. So that's what, that's what, Rashi, that's what Rashi says. Ragom, okay, that's uh, more or less the end. Uh, of, uh, of Rashi. So you see that Rashi, if you look at the first pasuk <coughs> in Rashi again, it says, <laughs> Rashi transfers the guilt from a person to all of Am Yisrael. To all of Am Yisrael. How does he do that? I, I, I don't know. I mean, of course, he depends on the Gemara. This is all 
Rashi is like reflecting things that are said in the Gemara, which is good enough, which is good enough for Rashi, but we have to, we have to like take into account the fact that the Torah seems to talk about one person, and Rashi talks about Klal Yisrael. Look again at those words. That this is an embarrassment for all of Am Yisrael. And that's what the Pasuk is, is saying. All of Am Yisrael was only able to keep one Shabbat. So Rashi is saying that even though it's only one person who did it, it somehow affects everybody. It, it meant that Am Yisrael, you know, the Gemara in Shabbat says that if B'nai Yisrael would be able to keep just two Shabbatot, the Mashiach would come. And that, that the time that they almost did it was this time. So somehow this one guy who was Bekoshe Sheitzim, he affected the standing of, of the Jewish people. It's hard for us to understand that today. Because today most of the Jews in the world don't keep Shabbat. Most of the Jews. Most of the Jews don't keep Shabbat, so we figure that that's normal. But in those days, where the way Rashi looks at it, everybody was supposed to keep Shabbat. And that was the normal thing. The normal thing was that everybody would keep Shabbat. So if somebody didn't keep Shabbat, that would affect the, the standing of all the people, all the people in the world. Look at the Ramban. You see the Ramban next to the Rashi? But after the Meraglim, after the parasha of the Meraglim of the spies, came the Mikoshesh. The simple, simple understanding is that first there's the story of the spies, the Meraglim, and then there's the story of the Mikoshesh Eitzim, right? And that's what happened. So Rashi, I'm sorry, the Ramban disagrees with Rashi. Rashi says, we're talking about two, the first two Shabbatot. And we said before, when were the first two Shabbatot recorded in the Torah? In the parasha of Bishalach. Of Bishalach. Remember Bishalach? Remember the book of Shemot? It comes up every year. Book of Shemot. Shemot, Va'era, Bo, Bishalach. The first, fourth parasha in the book of Shemot. Where are we now? Bamidbar. We're in Bamidbar. Which parasha in Bamidbar? Ben, Bamidbar, Naso, Bahalotcha, Shlach. Right? We're up to Shlach. The fourth parasha in the book of Bamidbar. And where, what is Rashi talking about? The fourth parasha in the book of Shemot. So this is like sort of out of out of place, like, like the Bekoshesh. He just comes up in the middle of nothing. Along comes the Ramban. And what does the Ramban say? No, 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 we're talking about something that happened here in Bamidbar. After the parasha of the Miraglim came the Bekoshesh. You understand? This is called a machloket, a difference of opinion. Rashi wants to us to understand that we're talking about some kind of ultimate idea connected to Shabbat. Two Shabbatot. Imagine, just keep two Shabbatot. The Gemara says, and the Mashiach will come. They couldn't do it. That was the Mikoshesh. He stopped the Mashiach. He stopped the by himself. He stopped the Mashiach from coming. And it was something that had to do with Kalal Yisrael. The Ramban. The Ramban says, I don't know what he's talking about. 
who knows what Rashi's talking about. What, what happened was that there was this guy who went a little crazy, so he did what he did, and they killed him, and then everything was fine. There were no implications. There was nothing to do with the Mashiach, and nothing to do with anything of that kind. That's what the Ramban, that's what the Ramban says. Okay, that's the end of the story. That's what we have. We don't know anything else. We don't know anything else. You want to eat popcorn? Now's the time. <laughs> it's right. Did it bring popcorn? Next time. Look, I know that, uh, that it's a little annoying, but hang in there. Okay? You're going to hang in there? Try. The next the next parasha that's on the sheet, we're connected to the sheet here. So the sheet says, Remember Benot Slavchad? Remember that story? It's at the end of the book of Bamidbar. Right? Perek Kavzayin. Ban Pinchas. In the parasha of Pinchas, the Benot Slavchad comes to say, we want to inherit the land. Now, you know, we talked about it last week and maybe the week before that about Yitro. Yitro left B'nai Yisrael in the parashah because he understood that he wasn't going to receive a portion in Eretz Canaan. And so he went back home to Midian where he had land and he had property and he had friends and he thought he would do better there. Here, along come Benot Slavchad. Slavchad had only daughters. Nothing is perfect. Slavchad had only daughters. And the daughters came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, we want to inherit the land that our father Slavchad would have gotten. So Vatamodna, the first Pasuk Lifne Moshe Vne Lazar Kohen, Lifnea Nisiyim, this Moshe Lazar Nisiyim, Vicholaida, Petachol Moed Lemor. They all stood in front of the Oel Moed, the, the tent where the Shekinah was, was found. And this is what they said Avinu Meit Bamidbar, our father died in the desert. He was not part of that group that went with Korach and denied divine authority. He was not part of that group. He, uh, he however, he died because of the specific sin that he uh, uh, was accused of, or, 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 or in fact, did right? And he had no no sons. So it was Benot coming to defend the fact that their father deserves to get a portion of Eretz Kinaan, even though he's dead. He's dead, but he was part of the people who left Mitzrayim. He was one of the uh, one of the people left the tribe. The rule was that everybody left the tribe could get an inheritance. But from the pasuk, we learned that if somebody in the desert transgressed, did something terrible, 
was part of Korach, joined up with Korach, then that person would not get an inheritance. So the daughters, Tzalafchad's daughters come and they say, our father didn't do any of that. He didn't do that. He did something, he did something, but he didn't do that. Lama yigara pasuk dalet. Lama yigara sheim avinu mitok mishpachlo. Why should our father's name be reduced or taken away from his family? He ain't lo bed just because he doesn't have a son. Tana lano achuzah betoch achayavinu. Give us a portion, just as my father's brothers will receive a portion. So we also want to receive it as though our father, as though our father is still alive. <coughs> the last pasuk, pasuk chet, vayakrev moshet mishpatan lifnei Hashem. So you have another case, like the Mekoshei Shetzim, that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know the answer. He didn't know what to say. So he's vayakrev. Remember that, that word, vayakrev? Uh, that word, vayakrev. What? Yes, thank you. You see, by a kravoto amotzi oto because she she el moshe by a kravoto. It's a word which apparently has something to do with judgment, din. It has something to do with din. Leklamet gimel. So let's look at the Rashi. Rashi in Parakav Zayin. Lifnei Moshe, lifnei Moshe, the second time. Uh, no, we don't want all of that. Lami Yigar Hashem Avinu. Look at Pasuk Dalet. Rashi on Pasuk Dalet. Lami Yigar Hashem Avinu. Anu bimkom ben omot. That's what they said. They said, we are like, we are like a son. My father had no sons, but he had a daughter. Had daughters. And we are, instead of, we should be the, have the same status as the son. Vim ain an nekevot chashuvat zera. And he says, if, I mean, they said, uh, like, you know, like this, with their thumb, they said, so the girls, just to prove the girls can learn, if they just set their mind to it, right? What they say, the girls, if you say that we are not really descendants of our father, we're not really, we're not really Zera, we're not his seed, somehow, so then it's as though our mother has no children and she should go through the process of yibum, of marrying one of my father's brothers. It was like a, like a tricky way of saying it. Like, you know, it's like a, sort of lamdanut. Uh, Rashi says, again, read the Rashi again. If it's true that female children are not considered to be the inheritors so that means our mother has to go through the process of Yibum which of course sounds crazy since she has children right says if there was a son then we the daughters we wouldn't be here at all we wouldn't be arguing with you Moshe Rabbeinu and then Rashi makes this remarkable statement from this you learn that they were very clever which means either that he didn't generally think women were clever but these were an exception or he thinks it means that 
women might just, it's just as likely that women are clever as it is to say that men are clever, right? So maybe, maybe that's what Rashi meant. Okay. Okay, by Moshe Mishpatam. Moshe Rabbeinu brought their, this case to God. Rashi says, Again, he didn't know what to do, just like he didn't know what to do with the Shetzim. He didn't know what to do. And this is Moshe Rabbeinu's payoff. How come he didn't know? How come he didn't know what the halacha is? I mean, what's the big deal? What's the big deal to know that if there are no sons, that the daughters inherit? I mean, that's not such a difficult, a difficult halacha. How is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know this halacha? So Rashi says, Rashi says, he, he, it, it eluded him. Right, you see the pasuk, the next pasuk on the page. At the end of the pasuk, and Rashi says there in the beginning of Dvarim, because he said that he said come to me if you don't understand something come to me I'll straighten it out and he, he said that's why his punishment was that he didn't know what to do with there are other examples there are other examples where somebody's punished by lack of knowledge Shmuel and Navi, that's the other case. But what we're interested in is in Moshe Rabbeinu. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu unable to answer the question? Because he acted in a haughty way, according to Rashi. Even though the Torah says in the parasha of Alotcha that anav, the word humility, is the word that can be most appropriately applied to Moshe Rabbeinu. Nevertheless, when Moshe Rabbeinu said this, said these words, right? You see those words? Bring it to me, anything you don't know, bring to me. He was punished by the fact that he didn't know the answer to the question that Benot Salafchad asked. Now, look at, back at the previous section, Pasuk Gimel. The daughters of Salafchad add on it's not just the Shailin in the laws of inheritance, but he, she says, if you look at, well, let's look at the Pasuk. See Pasuk Gimel? You see Pasuk Gimel? Avinu meit pa midbar, v'hulo haya betoch ha'ida, noedim al Hashem, adat korach, ki v'cheto meit. What do you mean ki v'cheto meit? What if it of course he made becheto. I mean, what, what else is he going to do? What, how else is he going to die? What is ki becheto mate? So Rashi says, They came to say he died in the sin that he committed. They didn't die because they were part of those who complained to Moshe Rabbeinu or the ones who went with Korach. That, that argued with and annoyed HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
He died on his own, his own hate. And he did not cause others to sin. Right? In other words, there is such a thing according to Rashi. There's a hate that you do on your own, and there's another kind of hate where you kind of cause others to do chata'im. There's, 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 it's the same act. It's the same act. You could do something wrong, and you do it on your own, for yourself, by yourself, because you think it's fun. But you can do it in a way that it influences other people also to do the chait. It's the same chait. The same act, yet it's possible that you do that. So Rashi says, He died on his, because of what he did. And he did not cause others to sin. Rabbi Akiva Simaya. Rabbi Shimon Omer Minamapilimaya. So Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, that's what the Gemara says, according to Rabbi Akiva, that the, the father of Spinot Salafchad sinned. What was his sin? The Mekoshesh. What did the Spinot Salafchad say about their father's sin? He did it, but he did not do it in such a way that everybody else was affected. Now remember, I know this is a little annoying, remember the Machloket Rashi and the Ramban. What did Rashi say about the Mekoshesh Hitzim? That this was a national transgression. That because of the Mekoshesh Hitzim, they couldn't keep two Shabbatot. If they would have kept two Shabbatot, the Mashiach would have come. That's Rashi. What did the Ramban say? Ramban said, no. No, this would happen after the Miraglim, after the story with the Miraglim. What did the Mekoshesh do? He, he, he did it a favor. Why did he do it? I don't know. What would he do it for? I don't know. But he was an individual, a single person who did an Avera. And the, the whole story is about what punishment does he get. So this is Machlok and Rashi and the, and the uh, Ramban. Along comes Rashi in the story of Tzalaf Khan. And Benot Zlavskat mate. And what is Kibicheto mate? He did it himself. He didn't he didn't convince anybody else. He didn't do anything that anybody else would would suffer from. And so Rashi, Rashi is uh, is is explaining Benot Zlavchad more in the manner of the Ramban in the parasha of of the Koshesh rather than the way uh, uh, Rashi explained it here in the parsha of Benot Tzlavchad. It's not over yet. <laughs> okay, turn the page. Turn the page. Now this part of this is in the Gemara and Shabbat. Uh, just a few, a few words, right? Mekoshech Zetzelavchad. So somehow, Bamidbar is connected to Bamidbar, and, and then the Gemara says, that's why Rabbi Akiva said that Avinu, Avinu Beit, is a reference to the Mekoshesh Eitzim, and so we know who the Avinu is. He is Tzlavchad, according to that opinion. He is the father of Tzlavchad.
right? The father of, I'm sorry, he is Slavchad, the father of the daughters who came to Moshe Rabbeinu to complain that they were not going to get an inheritance in the land of Canaan. Okay, finally, what we want to look at is the pre-tzaddik, right? I've said many times, many times the pre-tzaddik was a Hasidish Rebbe. A Hasidish Rebbe, and you know that Hasidish Rebbe, they look strange, but they're not all simple-minded. The pre-tzaddik was Tzadik HaKoyin. Lublin was a very uh, exceptional uh, student of of Torah, and he had very interesting things to say. And so Ratzadik looks at the situation where we don't know exactly what they did, and we don't know exactly we don't know exactly why the story is told in the Torah, and we don't know exactly what we're supposed to learn from that from that story. And he sits back, and his take on it is something rather remarkable. So if you look at the pre Tzaddik, I'm going to start reading from the fifth line. The fifth line says, Ha'inyan. I want to explain about the Mekoshesh Eitzim. So the word Ha'inyan means what it's really talking about. It's not, not exactly a metaphor, but there's behind the story in the Torah of the Mekoshesh Eitzim there are certain ideas and values that you have to understand in order to understand the story. That's his, that's his position. So let's see what they are. Ayyan. Ine yesh eitz chayim, yesh eitz hadat, tovara. So everybody knows that this is like a kind of an eternal mystery. In Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden, there were these two trees. There was a tree called Eitz Hadat, and there was another tree called Eitz Hachayim, Eitz Hadat, I'm sorry, Eitz Hadat Tovara, right? Somehow, if you ate from that tree, you would learn about Tov and Ra, that there's an option for Ra. Uh, Adama Rishon and Chava, his wife, they did eat from that tree. And then Tov and Ra became part of the world, part of, of reality. And then there's Eitzachayim, the tree of life. So how these trees got into the Gan Eden and what they were for is hard to understand. It, all we know about them is that God warned Adam and Chava about eating. Don't eat from them. Don't eat from the Eitzadah Stovara because then your situation will change. They ate from the tree and their situation changed. They were kicked out of Ganeda. So it's like not so easy to understand. Not so easy to understand what exactly the reference is and what it's about and what you're thinking. Nevertheless, it's there. It's there in the Torah. It's hard to avoid. So here's the pre Tzadik. pre Tzadik says, Ayyan, he says, you have two, these two options exist in Ganeda. And then he says, Tov 
So here he also, he gets into another problem, right? You know about tshuva, repentance? But there's a, there's a halacha, that if a person commits a sin, he has to, he has to do tshuva. He has to repent. He's got this weight. Now when there was a Beit HaMikdash, and there was a korban chatat, there was a sacrifice that was brought. So tshuva was included somehow in the process of bringing the korban chatat. But after, after uh, the korban Beit HaMikdash, the Rambam says, all we have left is tshuva. We don't have a korban, we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, but we have tshuva. And here's the Pritzadik. The Pritzadik was uh, lived at the beginning of the 19th century. So he says, It's He said, he said, what do you mean? What does the Torah mean when it says there's an eitz adat tovarah? That there's good and evil in the world. That's not the way it should be. But what it really means is that we are endowed with the capacity to change the situation of Tovarat, to change the situation where there's goodness and evil in the world into Tov Ma'ot. Remember that everything that God created, everything God created in the first chapter was Tov. And when he finished creation, it says Tov Ma'ot. Very, very good. So that in spite of the fact, in spite of the fact that there is uh, uh, Tovarah in the world, it's in the hands of man. This is what the Pritzalik says. It's in the hands of us to change everything into Tov Ma'ot. Very good. Tovarah into into Tov Ma'od. Al Yedei Tshuva Yecholim Lasot Me'eitz Adat Tovara Sheye Tov Ma'od Ve'ye Naseh Zidonot Kizchuyot And the Gemara says at the end of Yuma, Yuma even things that we have sinned even things that we've done incorrectly can be turned into can be turned into Zichuyot into merit they can we can change, right? Bad into good. We can make bad into good. Chasidut, chasidut, they say, look, everything we do is because God wants us to do it. There's this kind of like difficult idea that on the one hand, God is in charge. Everything that happens is what God wants. On the other hand, I have free wills. I can do things that are bad if I want to do things that are good. So somehow both of these principles exist simultaneously. How do they exist simultaneously? I didn't know. But they do. They exist simultaneously. And that V'yina says Zdonot Kizchuyot, even according to this principle, Zdonot, this is what the Gemara said, this is a quote of the Gemara at the end of Yuma, Zdonot, things that you did purposely, negatively, can be changed into merit. V'yegam kein eitzachayim, and that tovara can turn into eitzachayim. You get it? I mean, I know it's not, uh, it's less than obvious, but I hope you get it.
Now listen to what the Pritzadik says. Chashav HaMekoshesh the Mekoshesh, this guy that we're talking about. Chashav Hashem Yitbarach He thought that the will of God is Mikodem So the guy who was Mikoshesh Eitzim, he was living in a terrible world. A world in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu had taken away the benefit of Eretz Yisrael from the people. He said, you people, you people who sent the Meraglim, who sent the spies, who listened to the Meraglim, who listened to the spies, who wanted to go back to Egypt, you people, you don't deserve a thing. And you're not going to get a thing. You're going to wander around the desert until you all die. The Mekoshesh. The Goshesh said, how could I be living in this kind of world? How could I live in the world in which nobody deserves goodness? Everybody's gone over the edge, over the limit, right? Everybody is over the limit. So he says, she kalkalumi kodem. I'm sorry, go back to a couple of lines of Chashav. I'm in about the eighth or ninth line. Eighth line. This guy said, You may that this is what God wants. That first they mess up and then they do tshuva because then they have really a lot to do tshuva for. It's like the story of Adam Arishon. What did Adam Arishon do? He really messed up. God said, don't. And he said, okay, I'll go with the snake. I don't have to go with God. So on that, on that fact, the fact that he went with the snake, or he went with his wife, or he went and he did something that he shouldn't have done, because of that he was able to do tshuva. He's like, like the, profound, the profound depths to which you are able to sink, demand that you're able to climb out of that hole even with greater, with greater alacrity. And that's what Adam Arishon wanted to do. So what did the Mekoshesh, he looked around. The Mekoshesh looked around and he said, wow, we're really in trouble. We were on our way to Eretz Yisrael. We're just going to, and now we're on our way to no place. We're just going to go around in a circle for 38 years until everybody dies. As anything worse, could you imagine anything worse? So the Mekoshesh said, well, maybe we we were uh, the, maybe it's a test even though it's a punishment maybe it's also a test what's the test the test is that people will think that they don't have to do any mitzvot they don't have to keep the Torah I mean after all God said you can just wander around and die so if you're just going to wander around and die I mean uh, what, what difference does it make what difference does anything make so the, uh, uh, the Mikoshesh says, I'm going to show them that it still makes a difference and that they could rise up to great heights of doing tshuva even while they're being punished in the desert. And so the Mikoshesh Eitzim did it. He did it for Am Yisrael, according to Rashi. 
He was part of the Am Yisrael that was wandering around in the desert. And so Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know what to do with him. He didn't know uh, what his punishment was because he was doing an Avera for the good of the people. He was trying to change the course of Jewish history. And so he said, let's look again. Maybe this is what God wanted. Maybe God wanted a mess, a hate, an Avera, a transgression, and then people will do tshuva. That maybe this would encourage B'nai Yisrael to rise up even higher than they were before. And they'll do tshuva, the kind of tshuva that turns the eitz hadat tovara into an eitz hachayim, into the tree of life. Gemosha Amru in the Gemara B'makom Shabalei Tshuva Omdim Tzadikim Gemurim Einam Omdim. Everybody's heard this line from the Gemara that the place that Balei Tshuva, that Balei Tshuva stand, even Sadikim Gemurim, even the most righteous people can't stand along with them, meaning that the Balei Tshuva at a higher level, because the Balei Tshuva, they had to do Tshuva. And the Tzadikim never had to do Tshuva. And so Tshuva is not like aspirin. You take it when you're sick. But Tshuva is something that, that is helpful, that determines your personality and your character. It shades, says who you are. Who are you? You're about tshuva. So Omdim Tzadikim Gemurim Einam Omdim V'haya Choshev Shenachon Ken Afilu Chatechila Lotzi Ha'or Mitoch HaChoshech Nehorad Nafik Migoch HaChokha So this is, these are Kabbalistic uh, uh, ideas. The point that we have to remember from the pre-tzadik is that when they were as low as they could possibly be, B'nai Yisrael, after the Chet Maraglim, after the sin of the spies, after it had been determined that they won't go into Eretz Yisrael, after it had been determined they would just wander around the desert for the next 38 years purposelessly. At that time, the Mekoshesh, with the Mekoshesh Eitzim, Rabbi Akiva said it was the father it was Tlavchad, the Makoshesh was Tlavchad. He decided to do something for the benefit of the people at large, and that is to show them that they still have to do the mitzvot, that they shouldn't think that they are patur. This, by the way, this idea is also found in Tosvot in the Gemara in the Gemara and Shabbat and was a, a, a well-known uh, midrashic idea at the time. So the in the eyes of Chazal and later on in the eyes of the Chas, of Chasidut this idea that there was Bekoshesh Eitzim takes on a very special kind of level of importance and the idea that you could do tshuva even if you are really in a difficult situation goes all the way back to Adam Rishon, Adam and Chava Snake Snake didn't do tshuva so well but Adam and Chava did and they were able to reconstruct the reality that they were part of after being kicked out of, of Gan Eden. The difference was that in Gan Eden, they didn't have to work at it. But outside of Gan Eden, they do have to work at it. We do, we all of us have to do something to make sure that, 
that the world continues to exist in a reasonable in a reasonable manner. Okay, have a good Shabbos.